Amen. Welcome. Teaching others also. Hebrews chapter 7. Let's go to Hebrews 7. <clears throat> it is Friday, April 15th. Friday, April 15th, 2022. Now, many of you would have on a calendar somewhere, if you use a little calendar journal, like many of us do, they will have printed on there, Good Friday, Good Friday. Okay? Well, to the disciples... And the followers of Jesus Christ, it wasn't Good Friday. It was suspension day. It was uh, probation day. It was what are we going to do day. The Lord Jesus Christ was not crucified on a Friday. It's not even possible that he's out of the grave talking to him Sunday during the day. If he was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, he couldn't have been crucified on Friday. So somewhere you got to change the Bible unless, unless you do a little math. And this is not one of those nitpicky things. This is really important. You know, maybe you went to church maybe last Sunday and some of y'all went to church where some of the words in the songs, they were way off and it's not being picky. I don't want you to become a critiquer, but he is not crucified on a Friday. It's not possible. But if you will take some basic Bible knowledge that the Jews' Sabbath, their seventh day of the week, started at sundown Friday night and was over at sundown Saturday night, then we can do this thing. And when he said three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, he didn't give the order. He says that he was three days, three nights in the heart of the earth. Here's how it works. Lord Jesus Christ was crucified. Get you a piece of paper. This is so simple. Right, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, across the top, like in columns. On Wednesday, go about halfway down your little thing there and write 6 p.m. in the grave. He's in the grave Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. He's in the grave Thursday day, Friday day, Saturday day. The first day of the week begins at 6 p.m. Saturday evening. Now, it's going to be dark. They're not going to come. There's not all this electricity and all the stuff you're used to. So you might have to actually use your imagination a little bit. And I'm being a tad bit sarcastic because all this modern day Christianity that critiques the Bible thinks that God has to talk to you and I 2,000 years ago as if it's today. It's the other way around. We're supposed to fit into the Bible. We're not supposed to take a Bible and retranslate it and rewrite it and change it and twist it. We're not even supposed to take the preacher and say, make it sound like I can understand it without any effort. All right, so he's in the grave Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. He's in the grave Thursday day, Friday day, Saturday day. Comes out Saturday night. The morning of the first day of the week is at sunrise on Sunday, the first day of the week. That day in the Jew time ends that night at 6 p.m. So he's already out of the grave in the dark Saturday night. That's because it started the first day of the week. So here it is. We're on Friday morning and it is what we we call resurrection weekend. You don't know that for an absolute fact. What you do know is the world is going to celebrate what they call Easter. Long and short of it is that's the heathen holiday. It's not a Christian holiday. And eggs and bunnies have not the slightest thing to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
eggs and bunny. That's not what the message is about today, by the way, but I, I'm going to have a quick say. Eggs and bunny are about fertility. The resurrection is not about fertility. It's about death and then resurrection. And we're going to talk about because he ever lives. There's a song, you know, because he lives, I can face tomorrow and all that. And you say, well, why? And then there's Bible for it. Uh, I love the old hymn says, he lives within my heart. You know, he lives, he lives. And then it says, you ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. When my little brother was alive, my baby brother, way, way, way back, down there in Florida around 1976, he uh, and I would <laughs> we'd set up a couple chairs, a little make-believe podium, makeshift podium in the living room, and he loved that song. He just a little old fellow then. And we would sing that song and we belt it out, you know, because he lives. We'd have a little service, just just one of those things. He was so, it was such a blessing to see him reared up in church the way we weren't. And I thought about that song so many times. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ is born of a virgin. He lives a sinless life. He dies on the cross taking our sins of the world. He's buried, resurrected, and ascended. And he's not just risen, he ever liveth. We're going to read Hebrews 7 in a minute. Let me say this about Easter. Easter is what they're celebrating for the heathen in Acts chapter 12. And if you will go and look at it, you'll find that a whole bunch of your English versions drop out this truth. They hide it. Because the Jews are going to be celebrating the Passover that week, and the heathen are going to be celebrating Easter. Easter is connected to Ishtar and a bunch of idols and stuff. All right. So I say that because Lazarus lived, died and lived again, but then he died. The widow of Nain's son lived, died. Jesus resurrected him, but he ended up dying. Okay. The only one who got resurrected and ever liveth is the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's pick it up, please, in verse 14, Hebrews chapter 7. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. That priesthood was out of the tribe of Levi. And it is yet far more evident for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there ariseth another priest. Melchizedek is called a priest in the book of Genesis before the law, before the 12 tribes and all that were established and assigned different roles. And he says this, Melchizedek, verse 16, who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, Moses' law, earthly, but after the power of an endless life. You ought to mark that in your Bible, an endless life. If you do not keep your eyes on the endless life of God and the endless life that he has for a believer, this horizontal life down here will get to be too much for you because if you got half a brain, I think it's easy to figure out, and I'm saying you do have, in other words. You've got half a brain, it's easy to figure out that, that this thing is not going to be uh, a bed of roses for us, okay? It's not. And when you know that, then you start adjusting appropriately in your faith. For he testifieth, this is out of the book of Psalms, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For there is verily a disannulling of the commandment going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. 
For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did. A great word all through the book of Hebrews. And by the way, that better hope couldn't be faith and works. Wouldn't that be a, a definitely a contradiction? A better hope? Oh yeah, I've got to work my way to heaven. Yeah. By the which we draw nigh unto God, inasmuch as not without an oath he was made priest. For those priests were made without an oath. But this with an oath by him that, the, that said unto him, the Lord swear and will not repent. You getting this? <clears throat> Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. By the way, God isn't going to go backwards. He's not going to create this new testament and then during the tribulation go backwards. That's never been God's way. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. The priest would be anointed, he would be appointed, and he'd live his life, but he'd die. Okay? But this man, speaking of Jesus, get your pencil, draw, line up, up, because he continueth ever half an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. That's our subject in just a minute. Because he ever liveth. The song's fine because he lives, but this is because he ever lives. Okay? For such an high priest, verse 26, for such an high priest became us, that is, was good for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins, then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. The Lord Jesus could not have paid for our sins if he needed to pay for his own, which he didn't have to. He didn't have any sins. For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity. But the word of the oath, which was since the law, maketh the son who was consecrated, ready, forevermore. So our subject is because he ever liveth, because he ever lives. I almost give a handful of things. This is what we call Resurrection Weekend. Now, I don't know that it was this time because there's times that vary according to the Jewish calendar and all that, but the principle is a good one. But Easter egg hunts and bunnies and all this stuff has no place. You do what you want in your local believer's church, but it has no place associated with Resurrection Weekend. It has no place in a Christian's life. We do not celebrate fertility. We celebrate eternal resurrection life. Because he ever lives, first of all, sin is defeated forever. Now, it may not look like it if you look horizontally, because it doesn't, because it's going to snowball and get worse. He said it'd be as in the days of Noah. It was so bad in the days of Noah that God destroyed the earth. And he said, I'll never do it again by water. Now, he's going to destroy it. You climatologists and you, you know, who are so in love with the earth. I didn't say abuse it, but you're so in love with it. He's going to destroy it and it won't be by water. It's going to be by fire. It's going to dissolve. And it may not look like sin is defeated forever, but it is. And if you ever taste within you 
the power of the new birth by the Lord Jesus Christ, you know it is. You know it. You say, well, I haven't been perfect, blah, blah. Okay, fine. But why do Christians make so much out of the lingering presence of the old nature and not so much out of the absolute presence of the new nature? Temptation is a manifestation of sin's defeat. Because when you're lost, it's not even a temptation to you. You're just living your life. You're just living your life like, a, like an animal, so to speak, like a carnal being. So temptation, it's kind of like eternal security, folks. Eternal security is a doctrine. Forever, it says in this passage, forever. Who cometh to God, come, that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth, make intercession. He saves them to the uttermost. You're saved. But you don't ever doubt your salvation till you get saved. And those instruments and ministers of doubt come in and go, now, you know, if you've said this or thought this or done this, you must not be saved. So you go make another profession of faith or you go through the whole thing and you're expecting all that temptation to be gone. No, temptation is proof that sin is defeated forever because you can get victories. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Because he ever lives, sin is defeated forever. It is defeated Many of you don't believe that. Maybe you've never been taught it, but it is defeated. You say, well, you know, I lost my temper. Okay, confess it. Put it under the blood. Get your account clear with God on a daily basis. Do you know why you can confess it? Because it's defeated. Sin is defeated. Your flesh isn't fully defeated yet, but your flesh and you have been cut away from each other. You have a victory that God wants you to have. Because he ever lives, number two, the sinner is the decider forever. Oh no, in eternity. Okay, every sinner will have decided already in eternity. You see, right now, you need to get this, sin, the sin of the world is paid for. The way is free and clear. In verse 25, Hebrews 7, Wherefore he is able also to save to the uttermost that come unto God by him. The uttermost. Go to the uttermost part of the earth. Remember? Acts chapter 1. God has already paid for the sin of the world. The way is free and clear. You say, if that's the case, why is it in the mess it's in? Because the sinner is the decider of his or her forever. You declare to take Christ, you come unto God, verse 25, the Holy Spirit will apply it. You don't, and even though the sin is paid for, you die in your sins. It is so simple, and it, that kind of clear preaching will help people. It won't, you say, it might scare them off. How can you scare somebody off that's already off? How can you uh, and, and I understand, we witness, we, we show testimony. Someone says, well, I'm afraid to talk to them about their soul. It might push them away. They're not there. You got to talk to them. I still, to this day, I don't remember the name. I don't know where they're at, who they are. But I know there was one fellow in particular that once God started convicting me of my sins, everywhere I went, I ran into him. Everywhere I went. And 
just him being there would get me under conviction. Never said nothing to me. Didn't act holier than me. I mean, one time I threatened him. He said, quit following me. And he laughed. And I was, well, I was fixing to take, take him apart. I said, what do you think? Do you think he says, funny? <laughs> He's like, no, I ain't following you, but I know who is. And in that one sentence, that's all he said. I know who is. He just dropped me like a bad habit. I, it just took my heart right out and God started dealing with me. Because he ever lives, the sinner is the decider of his or her forever. We need to believe this because it's true and it's what the Bible says. And so we will act that way if we realize it. There's not going to be some interview room after they walk through that door of death and it slams behind them. There's not an in-between room. There's not a purgatory. There's not an interview room that says, now that you've thought about this and it's over, wouldn't you really like to change your mind? It's not there, friend. I, we wish it was in some way, but it couldn't be if God is who God is. It couldn't be if the Lord Jesus Christ liveth forever. Because he ever lives, sin is defeated forever. Sin is not going to send nobody to hell. Rejecting God's payment for sin is what puts us there if we go there. I ain't going there. That's not pride, and I ain't keeping myself from not going there. He's able to save to the uttermost, which he did me. And because he ever lives, the sinner is the decider of their forever. I pray today, as you go through the day, when you look at each person, you go, I wonder if they've decided they're forever. If there's somebody that you know, if there's somebody you're burdened for, and you're, I hope you pray first. You should pray and water, but you should put that seed out. Number three, because he ever lives, there's the swallowing up of death. There's the sting taken out of death forever. You see, this is what's so amazing for us. When the Lord Jesus Christ raised from the dead, look at chapter 9, verse 27. As it is appointed in men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. Many doesn't mean some of a big number. Like the hyper-Calvinist would say, many means it's a huge number. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Because he ever lives, there's the swallowing up of death. Y'all know the passages. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Hold your place in Hebrews. We're not done in Hebrews. But this passage is a great passage for this time of year. Now, this is a passage been a blessing to me on a daily basis through the years. But I love this passage. We had to bury my little baby brother when he was only about 15. My mama, when she was 54 in 1987. Daddy's gone. My brother went uh, coming up on uh, three years ago. Let me just say this to you. I've stood at those graves as a fairly young man and had to, had to, had to know this was true. He says in verse 54, 1 Corinthians 15, let's start in verse uh, 53. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The swallowing up of death and swallowing up of the sting of death forever. Watch. 
So when this corruptible, verse 54, shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. And you see in Jesus Christ, verse 57, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Stick something in there. We're going to go to verse 58 in our next point. You know something? We feel that we feel it when someone dies. We do. But less and less and less according to the reality of he lives forever. I am telling you this. I can tell you this through Bible. I can tell you this through counseling people, but I can tell you this through personal experience multiple times in my life personal. I can tell you this, my friend. That grave is not even real once you get hold of eternity. Said this recently at a, at a graveside or a graveside service. When my mother passed away at 54 years old and they put her on that hillside, same cemetery where my brother went, and they lowered that thing down. My daddy walked up there and grabbed a handful of that dirt and throwed it, threw it in there, throwed it in there, <laughs> threw it in there. And he said, you can't keep her. Are you getting this? Listen, she didn't, she didn't go to some bad place and Jimmy didn't go to some bad place and Dave didn't go to, and all those relatives didn't go to some bad place. They went to heaven. For goodness sake, Christian. Why is heaven not real to you? And do not wait till someone crosses over to make it real, but if they do, make it real. I feel for you, but I am so wore out. Wore out. Just patience gone with Christians who always talk about how much they miss somebody that went to heaven. Really? It ought to make you ready to go and want to go and live for it because the fourth thing is, because he ever lived, lives, saints have a duty forever. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, this is following up on what we just read in 1 Corinthians 15, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. If it's not in the Lord, it is in vain. If you're doing it for yourself, if you're doing it for your family, if you're doing it for your country alone, it is in vain. But we have a duty, a distinct duty to show what he did when he arose with our life. We have a duty to show that sin is defeated. We have a duty to show what a saved sinner owes God. So, well, I owe more than I can pay. Yeah, so you might as well give him your all as a, just a tiny little token. You say, we're going to have duties in heaven? Oh yeah, read Revelation 4 and 5. We're going to be praising him and glorifying him and telling him how awesome he is for eternity. You say, that'll get boring. No, because it's eternity, friend. They do some big, you know, sporting event or they win some campaign or they uh, make a bunch of money at the market and all that. And those are just little teeny tiny celebrations. We are going to worship him forever. 
You say, well, how, how can that be very gratifying? You know why you don't feel like it's gratifying? Now bear with me, okay? You don't feel like it's gratifying because you don't do much of it down here, so you don't understand that he created you to worship him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. You say, what about that duty? He read Hebrews 11. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Read Hebrews chapter 12 on what it is to be a son. Come back to Hebrews 7 for our last thought today. I'll probably load you up with enough, but you got one more. Because he ever lives, security is divine forever. Look at chapter 7 of Hebrews verse 28. For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity. But the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the son who is consecrated forevermore. You know how secure you are? You're secure as God. Now I understand there's the great debate. Well, did they really trust Christ because you know they haven't lived it out and all that? Well, did you really trust Christ? Even though you've been bickering and murmuring and complaining and backbiting behind closed doors, quietly whispering, did you really? Because I would think that's a harder sin to get a victory over since it's endemic in every human uh, than it would be uh, drinking. There are a lot of people that they just don't get hooked up on drinking. Some get you know, hooked up on tobacco and other stuff. Some get hooked up on recreation. You know, some people get addicted to cooking and sewing and some people get addicted to social events yeah you say well i'm in church every sunday maybe you're there because of an addiction maybe you're there because it makes you feel good about you maybe you're there because you think it now see i didn't say go and don't go to church i'm just saying a lot of people go because they think that makes god feel good about them but it doesn't he said when you've done that which was your duty to do say we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. He said that in the Gospel of Luke. So you understand what I mean? I'm saying to you today, dear friend, I'm saying to you, because he ever lives, our security is divine forever because he is. We are as secure as God is. You ever thought about this? If you pray and insist that God keep somebody around, what if during that time period your number comes up and then they're left alone instead of them getting to go home to heaven and not have to bear the burden? I am, I'm thankful. I missed him. I was very, very, very heart, soft heart towards Jimmy. I'm glad God let him, took him home to heaven. He doesn't just take him. He doesn't take him and stick him in a bucket somewhere or a 50-gallon drum like some kind of gross murderer. He takes him to heaven. But I'm glad he did because four years later, he would have had at 19 years old or so bury his mother who was, I mean, he was almost like an only child because he's born so much younger than us. And I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. I read where a fellow said one time, he wrote two books. He was an officer, on the ground leader and Vietnam War. He said he had read a quote as a young person. It says, in peacetime, children bury their fathers, their parents. In wartime, parents bury their sons. 
I hate to tell you this, but since sin entered this world, it's been wartime. And since Jesus Christ defeated the devil, it's been double wartime. And so you and I, we are supposed to exhibit, we are supposed to demonstrate, we should be the source for people to go, you know something, that thing really works. He does live and he lives in people. He lives in people. Paul wrote this in Philippians 3.21 before close. Who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ in verse 20, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. We are, our security is divine for ever. God makes the believer as secure as God is. If God can die, you got a problem. But if God can die, everything's got a problem. Amen. Because he ever lives. Because he ever lives, sin is defeated. And the sinner is the decider of their forever. Because he ever lives, the sting of death is taken out of it, the swallowing up of death. And because he ever lives, the saints have a duty forever. Our duty forever starts now, and we're going to keep doing it through eternity. You know what it is? Glorifying God. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's, Paul wrote to the Corinthians. Because he ever lives, our security is divine forever. Maybe you're going through a hard time. Maybe you're facing a hard time. Maybe you're going to get some hard news. Many of us know what it's like, and we know the hard news isn't over yet. I'll be 67 soon. The hard news ain't over yet. The hard word from the doctor ain't over yet. You know how that works. The hard hard news of somebody else ain't over yet. The way that our country goes here in the United States, the bad news ain't over yet. But he lives. He ever lives. I trust you'll have a really good resurrection weekend. I pray you. I, I pray and I trust you'll spend some time soaking up these things. God be with you.